Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. A lot of us are looking for ways to start our day feeling more joy and appreciation. And while some of us write gratitude lists or do yoga, others pour themselves a bowl of their favorite cereal, Honey Nut Cheerios. Because not only are Honey Nut Cheerios delicious, they can help lower cholesterol as part of a heart-healthy diet. So maybe the secret to a great mood all day is a little yoga. Then writing your gratitude list over a bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios. Learn more about a heart-healthy lifestyle at Cheerios.com. Kmart announces the Freedom Store is closing forever. Millions of dollars in inventory must be sold. Storewide discounts up to 75% off. Every department is on sale. All fine jewelry, fashion apparel, footwear, toys, health and beauty aids, and cosmetics are now on sale in-store. Everything must go. Nothing held back. Selling to the bare walls. Even store fixtures are all for sale. Shop now for best selection only at the Kmart Store in Freedom at 1702 Freedom Boulevard. It is business as usual at all other Kmart stores. What's going on, Bird Gang? This is Darren Scrolls here. I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Eagles Brawl, the Brawl Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. Thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. My co-host Tyler Steggy is joining me in the house today. We also have our Eagles insider, Ed Cross. Ed, Tyler, seven days away from football. I am so excited. We got so much to break down, though, because that, those 53 roster cuts – a lot of surprise there. I thought a lot. Of, I mean, I thought it was pretty surprising because most of the time we actually get get a, get a sense of who they're going to cut. Now we didn't because no preseason, and they made some surprising moves. Tyler's got some scoops on Zach Ertz' uh, contract extension talks coming to a halt. Alshon is also, for some reason, on the fifty-three man roster. We're going to have some fun discussing that. And then another thing I want to hit on is the Will Parks injury because that blows my mind. I think it's a huge loss for the Eagles. But first, Ed. These 53 roster uh, cuts happened. You you did your breakdown on Sports Illustrated all about it. But uh, talk to the viewers, man. What, what's going through your mind through that? Yeah, I mean, what's crazy is the Eagles only kept 23 players on offense. You know, they only kept three running backs, two tight ends, eight offensive linemen, 
and three quarterbacks. I mean, that's a really low number, especially offensive linemen. Um, I would expect that they will add an offensive lineman, probably Cordy Glenn, at some point over these next 24 hours uh, to play left tackle. There's just no way, in my opinion, you can go into the season uh, with Matt Pryor, who's never played tackle in the NFL, or Jordan Milata, who never even played football until just two years ago. So I just don't see how you do it. The Eagles are stubbornly insisting on keeping Jason Peters at right guard. Uh, so I would expect them to add uh, Cordy Glenn or, or some kind of veteran left tackle. Right now, Cordy Glenn's been in the building for a couple of days, and I think they're trying to get something done with him. Uh, you mentioned Alshon Jeffrey. That was a surprise keep for sure, uh, you know, as part of the roster. Um, but they kept nine of their 10 draft picks, which I think speaks to the volume that they had this past year. I think this draft class can be, I think I mentioned this before, I think it has the ability uh, to be very good. And I would expect that the 10th player they cut of that draft class, Prince Tega Wanagahu, to probably come back on the practice squad. But my initial impressions of the roster is it's very light on offense. That's going to change. And on defense, they kept players uh, that really have special team abilities. They kept six linebackers. Uh, they kept Rudy Ford, who's their top gunner on the punt team. Even though these guys may not have roles on defense, they really are paying attention to special teams. And Howie mentioned it uh, Saturday afternoon when he talked to us after the cuts were made that he really was paying attention to special teams because he's been involved in games in the past where special teams have cost them. Uh, you know, maybe thinking back to when Andy Reid didn't have a punt returner in Green Bay and they fumbled away a chance there. That's certainly one of them. But uh, he mentioned early in the season, special teams costing them games. So he was very, you know, focused on keeping players that are going to help them on special teams. And, you know, special teams is one area with this crazy offseason that they really haven't had a chance to kind of look at different players in different roles. So they think they have guys that can get it done on special teams and they saved them. They protected them. What a throwback to that Green Bay. That was J.R. Reed who fumbled the the Prometheus. Wasn't it him? I could go on about Bay, that. What the, a throwback uh, there. I'm I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, J.R. Reed. It was J.R. Reed. Yeah, that. I think it was J.R. Reed. I think it was him too. Because I remember that they. You had to bring that up, didn't you, man? Then they brought back. I think they what they brought back who Reno Mahe after that after that game was over. I think they were like, yeah, we need to we need to finally get a punter. I think it was Reno Mahe. I don't, I don't remember, but that was. That's good knowledge, That's not right. Yeah, it sounds right. Not that you brought that up, I was like, dang, dude, I remember that game perfectly. That was awful. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was four. I think he fumbled it four times, and <laughs> he couldn't couldn't catch. He couldn't. Yeah, no. Jared Reed was no. They they thought Jared Reed, Macho Harris, could replace Brian Dawkins. Great name, they, not Harris. Not a very good player. Though. No, 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 not at all. Well, he was a corner at Virginia Tech, and then he's like, "We're going to convert him to safety, and he's going to replace Brian Dawkins." Yeah, right. You know, the, the, yeah, the cards are stacked against him. But anyways, back to the fifty-three bay roster. What I was surprised about is, uh, which I think will change in the next couple hours, is no third tight end. I think in a twelve personnel offense, you need to you need to have that third tight end no matter what. Uh, interested to see because I know Josh Perkins was in the plans, probably I would assume. So it looks like to me they're doing the last minute. Uh, fill in because he's on IR, obviously. So, and another thing I thought was interesting is I, Marcus Epps. I know at free safety, if McLeod goes down, really only only people on the roster you would think would replace McLeod is Maddox or Epps. But uh, uh, gosh, that guy's not good. 
I, I think they need to I think they need to upgrade over there at safety. And then uh, now we have to see what they do at corner. I mean, Sidney Jones and Russell Douglas both getting caught is well, was a little surprising. I, I expect one of them to get back. But yeah, I expect like uh, I would expect Brazil Douglas or maybe City. I would. I think it's gonna be Brazil Douglas. I think they're done with Sidney Jones to be back on the practice squad. Uh, but I still don't think the corner death because if you think about it, Ed Darius Slay goes down because I tweeted something and it's really true. Darius Slay in the slot cornerback factory. If if Darius Slay goes down, they don't have a legitimate outside corner on this team. Uh, I I I fully believe that the faith in Maddox will pay off. I do believe that though. I think getting him on the field, no matter. What capacity he's playing is going to be payoff for them no matter what. But uh, Nicole Ruby Coleman can play some outside, but again, majority nickel. You look at Will Parks, uh, when he gets back, he can still play slot, but that's it, the slot. Kayvon Wallace can only play the slot. I, I, I'm wondering if they look for an outside corner among these waiver wire cuts. Yeah, they could. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ed. No, I, I was just going to say, I mean, they love Craig James, you know, and they raved about his special team ability. Again, I mentioned special teams is a big part of their decisions in, on the defense. and But I, I suspect that Craig James could be your CB, too, if something were to happen to Slay uh, or Maddox. Maybe Maddox moves back to that single high spot if Parks isn't well enough and something uh, should happen to Rodney McLeod in the next you know few games here as we get the season underway. Maybe it's Maddox that goes back there. Marcus Epps can play back there. Um, but yeah, that that's a real good question about that number two spot. But the way Howie talked about Mark, uh, Craig James, and they signed him to a uh, a contract that runs him through next year. I mean, they just seem to really like Craig James, and I think he might be the guy uh, that would fill in should something happen to Maddox or McLeod, and Maddox has to bump back to the single high spot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean it's. It's a very positionless secondary, and there's just going to be so much shuffling that goes on, and every injury is going to dictate. It's going to have a trickle effect. Like you said, if McLeod gets hurt, you're you're now taking your second safety to free safety. Does Jalen Mills slide to corner? If Darius Slay gets yeah. hurt, if Darius Slay gets hurt, is NRC sliding outside? It's depth everywhere, to be honest. But I, I will say I'm, I'm I am excited to not have to watch Russell Douglas try to cover Amari Cooper from here on out it's the last two years has been at least as uh, on a on paper this starting cornerback group is is probably the most promising that the Eagles have had in the last I I don't know nine years ten years so yeah the depth isn't there but when you're looking across the NFL and I think fans have that this tendency to do uh, is they like overanalyze a roster and they overanalyze a GM and they overanalyze the team and it's you can't have all pros <laughs> as backups. It's just it's not going to happen. I, I I will say the offensive line depth is probably makes me the most uneasy going into the season. As excited as I am for the Eagles, I think they can um, make some noise this year. But something that can prevent any good team is if you can't prevent, protect a quarterback. And I mean they're an injury or two injuries away from having a really nasty offensive line. Um, and, and we know the, the fronts that are across the NFL. I mean, the first three weeks of the season, I mean, it's Bosa, you're, you're doing Aaron Donald. It's this, this, this offensive line is going to be tested. Washington. Washington. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's going to be tested. So if there's any position group that, that I'm most uneasy about, obviously it's the offensive line, but I mean, as far as the skill players, I, I do think we're just going to see, this is a very unique season with, 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 the way the practice squad works and and how you can bring guys back and can't it, it's 
there's going to be a lot of randomness to this season. Um, but I do expect they this team needs some type of depth at outside corner. I I I mean at this point, Craven LeBlanc might be somebody that that might see some time outside and he's a slot corner. I mean, it's I, I don't know what to expect from that group, but if they stay healthy, they it's a damn good unit. You brought up a good point, though. I think if Slay goes down, you have to move Jalen Mills back to outside corner. And I don't, I, I, with the way that the roster is looking at right now, I think that's the move if, if anything happens. And then you have to hope Will Parks is healthy or Kayvon Wallace steps up because that's your replacing Mills at safety. But uh, to hit on the Jason, I, I have to hit on this left tackle topic because this is just insane to me. Uh, I got killed on Twitter for it, too, because a lot of people are like, no, no, we need to set a president. Uh, but they're really Ed, are they really gonna put? They're not gonna play Jason Peters left tackle. Like I mean, Cordy Glenn, I I think is the option that you bring in no matter what, even if you play Jason Peters at left tackle because you need a death and nobody's lined up to sign him anyways. He's a good pass blocker. He's a horrible run blocker. Uh, to me, like I mean, because I, I don't, I'm with you. I mean, what you said a couple of weeks ago, I I still is reminiscent in my mind, and I always and I thought it from the beginning. I don't think Jason Peters can play right guard. Uh, he could, he's shown you he could play at left tackle at a high level. It, he played for I mean when he when he signed last year he signed for five point five million guaranteed. He signed for three million guaranteed this year. They what's so wrong with with just giving him the incentives to play left tackle to make up for that money loss? I mean that's I, I can't imagine he wants barely a little over a million more. Put it in incentives. Make put it in the left tackle incentives. I mean, I mean shame I mean, on his is agent. It, is it a foregone conclusion that that Jason Peters isn't going to see left tackle? I, well, that's I, what I, I'm going to ask you because a lot of yeah, that's what I'm because Howie painted the picture that he's good at right guard. I just feel like of I don't. Course I they're not going to say. I think. Yeah, I don't think they're going to possibly. Like, it's going to happen. I don't, I don't think, think they're going to say anything because what's the point? Then that you give Washington some advantage a little bit. So I get it, but there's no reason to announce it now. But I mean, they come on, they got to play Jason Peters left tackle. They gotta. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, and I think Matt Pryor is a better guard than he is a tackle. Yeah, exactly. You know, Doug tapped answering on the question about left tackle. Um, but here's the thing is the Eagles don't practice again until Wednesday. But right now it just seems like the Eagles are being stubborn with Peters. They want to keep him there. They don't want to give him the extra money to go play uh, left tackle. Um, I mean, you look at this offensive line, and Tyler touched on it. It's really kind of the biggest concern, and it, and it is for me as well. I mean, you – you had Brandon Brooks go down. You had Andre Dillard go down. So Lane Johnson never practices anymore. So what kind of cohesion are they going to have against a very good Washington front? Uh, to me, I'd feel a lot more comfortable. And I know Carson Wentz would probably feel a lot more comfortable if he had Jason Peters protecting his blind side. But um, the Eagles, for some reason, are just being stubborn about it. Uh, and they're going to keep Peters. I believe they're going to keep Peters at the uh, at the right guard spot. Oh, man, I'm not a fan of that at all. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work out well at all. I I don't think Jason Peters can play guard. I I mean, it was even I felt this way even before you came on the show and you're like talking about how you're talking to guards and it's like playing in a phone booth compared to playing with so much space. I felt that way from the, the get-go. I've always said I don't think Jason Peters at 38 years old Asking him to play a whole different position is the right move. I don't think it's right at all. Uh, when you consider his left tackle, I just don't see how they don't do it. Uh, I don't. I, but shame on his agent, honestly. 
Shame on his agent. They should have negotiated a deal with some clauses in the deal that says if I play, yeah, uh, the the, the prin- and he gave a left tackle. Here's a booster in my contract. The principle behind that is like ridiculous. Like even if you think Jason Peters deserves the money, which that is a side argument, it it's the principle of him signing a contract just two months ago. That's you, you as an agent, like you said, as an agent, Jason Peters. All of these factors. Are played into it. Andre Dillard being young, Andre Dillard being in a new position, Jason Peters sliding to one, but having the potential. All of that is negotiated in this contract. So that's why I'm just bothered by like, no, fuck that. You don't deserve the extra three million because this was inevitable. Like this, this the writing was on the wall that there there was a real possibility of you playing. And I understand that things change, but I, I, I tweeted this and I brought this up. If a rookie is drafted in the sixth round. And he agrees to a contract, and that starting left tackle gets injured. That starting or that rookie who's now slated to start can't go back and renegotiate a contract. And I understand Jason Peters is a veteran and he's 38, but he also should be a veteran in signing contracts. And just the timing of it and wanting to renegotiate it just doesn't make any sense to me as far as feeling like, yeah, now you're a starter there or potential. And I, I as far as like the team announcing it or not, I, I think Jason Peters is going to end up with, with Dillard going down. I don't think it was before, but with Dillard going down, I think it's, it it's there. Jason Peters is going to be playing left tackle more often than not this season. And like the secondary, I think there's going to be which you don't want, but I think there's going to be a lot of shuffling going on. And, and there's a chance that the team thinks highly of their, their, their unit. And then it takes one bad week for them to be like, no, that that's not going to work. We, we're not going to be able to put prior at tackle. So, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of experimenting, which, again, it could get ugly um, in the beginning of the season. But all it takes is just cohesion. It just takes a few games. Um, it's just not a unit that you want to be heading into a football season with this many question marks. And it's it's tough when you lose two starters. It's before the season even starts. It's The Eagles are – Again, I, I, I thought this was a very promising season, but it's I'm a little bit more reserved um, with the the way the offensive line is is set up right now. Obviously, I still think they can make noise, but Doug Peterson and, and Stoutland, they're they're going to be put to test for sure. The first month, month and a half of the season figuring this out, because you have to have your offensive line figured out by October or November, because that's when the run game starts. Well, and, you know. You hope that while yeah, they're figuring I, it out, they I don't the lose same. Carson thought, Wentz to an injury. That's the issue. Is you hope that as you're trying to piece this together, yeah. Carson Wentz can stay healthy. And and that's a good point. It's also on him as a fifth year starter. A quarterback can't hide offensive lines. I mean, that's what makes Tom Brady great, and that's what one of my criticisms of a guy like Deshaun Watson is. These guys can't hold the ball too long, and it makes their offensive line look worse. In this case, Carson Wentz needs to be he needs to be on his shit. Um, again, the first six weeks of the season, he, he can hide flaws in the offensive line, him and Peterson rollouts, get the ball out quick, get the ball to your playmakers, uh, screens, run game, misdirection. There's things that you can do. That's why I'm like signing Cordy Glenn makes sense to me because this team, as long as they get a serviceable player, they'll make uh, it work. Rose, Roseman announced that, that it's going to happen. I believe they're, they're signing Glenn. It just came out on Twitter. Yeah, that that doesn't surprise okay, so me. I mean, you know, when we months. asked about it, when we asked Howie okay. that Saturday, uh, he just said, "Oh, it's a three day process." He didn't shoot it down right away. You know, he 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 said that it's still going on. So that 
that to me was kind of like an indicator. Yeah, it's going to happen. And again, they just cannot turn the reins over to Matt Pryor and Jordan Mulata. I mean, that was that was pretty clear. I mean, the, the fact that they looked at them, okay, I understand it. They're going to explore the options, but it just wasn't feasible. Not at all. I thought, I mean, you had a, you had a chance to end. I mean, you ended the last season with your offensive line being Peters, Sayamalu, Kelsey, Pryor, Johnson, and you had an opportunity to start the season the same way. But you're saying I'm going to play Jason Peters in a position you never played before. I'm going to play Matt Pryor in a position you never played before. I'm going to sign a street free agent, Cordy Glenn, who's been on the market for months. I think. I mean, I think they're just prepping for themselves. I think that I, there's no reason for Jason Peters over to, a couple million dollars. No, I mean, as far as as far as like uh, the what the starting lineups look like in practice right now. Like, I think there's no reason for Jason Peters to take snaps at tackle. We know he's comfortable there. He's played there for 15 years. So I don't – Right. Whatever. I mean, let let him figure it out yeah. in practice and then – because, again – I appreciated I, those guys stepping up at left tackle because I, I thought the same thing because Jason Peters going to miss snaps. So I they need somebody that can fill in right away, and I think that's maybe Cordy Glenn, which would be perfect. But no matter what, as long as they get somebody that's serviceable because that big V, again, gave up nine sacks when he filled in for Jason Peters – but the thing that everybody forgets is they made him serviceable at least. Yeah. Uh, if they if they make somebody service as long as they make those two spots serviceable, because again, Stefan Wisniewski is was not a world beater. They made him serviceable. As long as his offensive line makes players serviceable, they can win with who they put out there. Uh, I think Cordy Glenn could be that. But again, Cordy Glenn has durability issues as well. Uh, he's I, not it, as far off as Jason Peters in terms of injury wise. I wouldn't expect anything from Glenn until at least week two or three. I mean, he's getting signed, but he's probably not going to play this week. If he is, that is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> well, I think you're playing. I think you're signing him to <laughs> yeah, play no, next no. week. Uh, and oh right. man, he may be active, not, but I hope he's not playing. I think I, he'll be active. I don't know. Not if ideal. Bring in a left play tackle. necessarily. Yeah, I'm telling you, if I'm if I'm watching no. week one of the football and I see Glenn protecting Carson Wentz, I am going to yeah, be absolutely wow. livid. <laughs> yeah, I want to see Jason Peters out there personally, but these Zach Ertz extension talks have come to a halt. Uh, and then there's maybe a potential dilemma brewing with the team in the future Hall of Famer. Uh, Ed, what was your take on hearing? And then we'll get let Tyler give his little scoops after you finish up. What was your take on hearing that the well, when you when you hear the report that it was a low ball sort of an offer, uh, it's not a surprise. Um, but Howie again talked about the salary cap, and he pretty much admitted they can't bring any big long term contract uh, deals into the building anymore because they're really pressed against the salary cap and. Uh, Ertz is one of those big long-term deals. So I think the Eagles are trying to hope that he'll take a hometown discount. Zach Ertz will, because he loves being in Philadelphia. He was drafted here. Uh, you know, he's been here since he came into the league. He's still just 29. He'll turn 30 at the end of the year, uh, before the end of the year. So, uh, I just, I was surprised. I really thought they would get something done heading into the season. Uh, I thought the bar had been set by Kittle and Kelsey, which is why, uh, I believe Zach did not want to do a deal last year when the extension was uh, given to him or, you know, run by him in November. He turned it down uh, because I think he wanted to see what the bar was. And now it's been set. So the Eagles have a parameter with which to work with. Uh, and when they didn't rise to the expectation of that parameter, they just shut it down and said, well, we'll just, uh, you know, we'll just let it cool off for a little bit now. But um, I think the Eagles will come back and they'll try to get a deal done. They'll have, Obviously, they know what 
the money Zach is looking for. Uh, and they're just going to have to meet the price and they're going to have to bite the bullet and, uh, you know, make sure it works in their salary cap parameters. So I'm thinking, I mean, they have two years left on this deal. Uh, obviously, I want them to keep Zachers. I don't think they have a choice. I think they should. There's no reason why you let him off the team. He's coming off the two best seasons of his career. He's not slowing down. Uh, but besides my personal opinion, I'm putting that out of the equation for a minute. I'm taking the fan hat off and I'm putting what the Eagles may be thinking. Maybe this team has so much faith in Justin Peel, the tight end coach who developed Zach Ertz, who's developing Dallas Goddard as well. Maybe they think if J.J. Arcega-Whiteside steps up this year, if Jalen Rager shows them that he is the future playmaker at wide receiver this team, and then they have one more wide receiver just proved like if Hightower comes out and becomes this the speed vertical threat that they have to start in the slot, or if Greg Ward solidifies a roster is a spot in this wide receiver rotate, anything like that, they have any other wide receivers step up. Maybe they go into the next offseason. They do think about trading nerds. Maybe they think you know we can just commit to Goddard now. We do a little bit more eleven personnel like we did in two thousand seventeen because Nelson Aguilar at the time was playing better than our backup tight end was, so we didn't have to do twelve personnel much. Maybe they go that route, invest in Dallas Goddard, maybe draft another tight end because, I mean, they drafted Dallas Goddard the first pick after winning the Super Bowl with Zach Ertz. I don't think they'll worry about what Goddard thinks, but maybe they go ahead and – because, again, they were targeting – Mike Kay said it himself multiple times. He said it on the show. They were targeting tight ends heavily last year. So maybe they think, you know, we'll, with the time that we have on Zach Ertz's contract, with the money that he's asking for, because Ed, even you said off air that they were hoping – to get a hometown discount on Ertz. Maybe they're thinking, you know, if these guys step up, uh, if Goddard continues to show to us that we think he could be a number 20 end, number uh, one tight end that we thought he can be, maybe it's just time that we move on from Ertz and we trade him. So uh, I I think the Eagles might not be in a rush to do the deal, personally. I think maybe this is just the Eagles saying, you know, we're going to see how it goes, and maybe Zach is one of those tough decisions that we have to make uh, next year when we make the tough decisions against the cap. Maybe that's just what they're sitting back waiting to do, and maybe that's why they are okay with the contract extensions uh, coming to a halt. But I think those scenarios will not happen. I don't think – I think Zach Ertz, again, will prove to them that he is the vocal part of the offense. He's the vocal part of the receiver room. They still – I think they're still going to have question marks to the right receiver. I'm not completely sold on Arcega Whiteside just because of a couple red zone uh, training camp touchdown catches. We don't know how these rookies are going to translate. Uh, I think the wide receiver position is still going to be an unclear pitcher going into next offseason to the point where they have to just go ahead and pay Ertz. Uh, I believe that's what they're going to do. But I'm just trying to think of like from maybe the Eagles standpoint of why they're maybe right now when the, the talk's coming to a halt, maybe the why they, they might be fine with it. I think, I think yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of unanswered questions. And whatever the Eagles' original plan was for the tight end position, uh, even in 2019 – it is different now in 2020. I just don't, I think they're, they're, it's a very fluid situation. I don't, I don't know if there's a, I, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the off season or right when the 2019 season ended, it was a foregone conclusion that Zach Ertz was absolutely going to be extended. Um, I don't think that that is a guarantee anymore. I, I honestly, his, his future is definitely looming um, with, with the contract, uh, with, the cap situation, and then also having a potential top 10, top seven-ish tight or tight end behind him. It makes for, and then, like you said, the the three receivers drafted. I mean, 
yes, this team is heavily built for 12 personnel now, but if you see potential from your receivers and you can think in 2021, 2022, you can get away from the 12 personnel, you can actually expand to 11. It There are a lot of unanswered questions, and I think we're going to – it's a boring answer, but I think we're going to, we're going to get them in the 2020 season. I mean, Ertz can go down. Mm-hmm. Goddard could go down. If Ertz has another hunter catch season, um, I mean, there's so many ways that can go about it. But at the end of the day, the Eagles need to pay Zach Ertz. He's their best skill player. Um, I I am a fan, uh, so I, I tread lightly whenever I am passed along information because I know how easy it can be to look corny. Um, but I did have uh, somewhat of a scoop uh, regarding the Ertz contract. Um, basically, He's very upset. <laughs> um, Zach Ertz is very upset with the offer. Uh, it's it's it, when they came back, when the team came back and offered him um, less money uh, in the contract that they offered him in November. It's I mean that's a slap in the face. And I understand how he is a cap guy. I mean he's he's had success with managing the cap. But one thing Eagles fans need to understand is Howie Roseman has never been accustomed to paying a quarterback as much money as he is when you have one player taking almost 20 percent of your cap it makes it very difficult to be able to sign guys so them trying to get ahead of the market in november of last year was the classic how we move but again that was their original plan now things are different and i that's where this thing could get kind of messy is zach Ertz has said he wants to be a lifer here but this is one of the best players in your locker room you have to tread lightly and you cannot piss off a superstar like that. That can have a trickle effect on other people, bringing other people in. Um, and the Eagles have always been very good at paying their own um, and, and, and paying for success, paying for past and for future. Uh, and if there's any player that epitomizes that, it's Zach Ertz. I mean, it, it, it's, you, you have to practice what you preach. And how would it look on your, your roster if you're out here willing pay, willingly paying a guy like Malik Jackson $10 million a year, but you're hesitant to pay an extra two and a half million a year to your bona fide superstar who's been consistent and healthy the last four years. It, these things are viewed upon in a locker room and that's, it's not a good look. Again, I, I am a Howie Roseman advocate. I am a defender of him. I think he's one of the best in the league, but this is a situation, like I said, it's, it can get very, very messy, very, very quickly. Um, and again, we'll get more answers from the season, but it's uh it can get ugly, man. I'm hoping it yeah. doesn't. I'm hoping it doesn't. Zach Ertz is one of my favorite players, but if um, so, I mean, go ahead. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll ever not be a twelve personnel type offense because even Doug said it himself. That's a staple that he had in Green Bay, and that's what he's. He brought it here originally. They started off with. Uh, I remember the first preseason game bringing it down with Fran Duffy against the Indianapolis Colts uh, with Sam Bradford out there. They had Trey Burton, Brent Selick, and Zach Ertz, and they're running twelve personnel. I I. I, I still think it's going to be a part of the offense. I just – I don't know if they value Zach Ertz as much as they should because I'm worried why I, – I, I think – if I mean, as from my point of view, from knowing how much Zach Ertz is important to this team, from knowing how good of a player he is because a lot of people have this stigma in their head that Z- Dallas Goddard could be better than Zach Ertz, and I don't believe it. And, I, don't and, think, yeah. I don't think Dallas Goddard is better than Zach Ertz. I think he's a great tight end. I don't think he'll ever be the receiver that Zach Ertz is. I, it's just not going to happen. I don't think so. I think Zach Ertz is one of the best route running tight ends I've ever seen play football uh, ever. So I don't think Dallas Goddard will be the caliber that the tier 
that Zach Ertz is, but I think he could be a tier below, which is still very good tight end. Uh, and I mean, and just real quick on that because that that should be focused on here is yeah, yes, Zach Ertz is great at what he does, and Dallas Goddard is really good at what he does, but they are two completely different players. Mm-hmm. Zach Ertz is listed as a tight end, but he is basically a receiver, and so what he can do at the tight end position is so unique that if you were to just say, "Hey, Zach." We're we're gonna trade you or whatever. If they did hypothetically move on, it is not as easy as just saying Dallas Goddard, you go take Zach Ertz's position, because the way they run routes, people need to understand Dallas Goddard is a very raw player. Like he, he his 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 idea his I guess his skill set in, in the receiving game, he he does not know how to run routes. <laughs> and respectfully, I, I'm saying this respectfully, but he's compared to Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is a top ten route runner in the Zach league. Ertz gets- Zach Ertz gets double covered. He's he's a top ten route runner in the league, not tight ends. Top ten route runner, and Dallas Goddard is very good with the with the ball in his hands. He's more of a Kittle type. He's more of a get the ball in my hands and I can make things happen. But as far as route concepts, they are two different players. So it's not as easy. I'm not saying it can't be done, but if the Eagles decide to do that, it's not going to be as easy as just swapping them right out. It's right. it's well, to difficult. me in in ten years on this yeah. Eagles beat Zach Zach Ertz is the best route runner I've seen uh, from anybody that the Eagles had. Um, Deshaun Jackson, obviously, is a very good route runner, but Zach Ertz, clearly that's what separates him from a lot of players is his ability. Where does where does Nelson Aguilar lay <laughs> on that list? Yeah, well, he, he's down a couple <laughs> pegs. Um, but Nelly's, Nelly's trouble is really catching the ball, right? Um, but hey, he made the he made the roster yeah. of the, uh, I I the Vegas the Raiders. So, um, you know, he must have been. Something. I had to yeah. plug my guy, but no, I think the Eagles would be making a mistake. I'm I'm in your camp. If they did something with Ertz, I mean, Ertz is on a Hall of Fame trajectory here. Um, you know, he could be, and he will be, the team's all time leading uh, receptions leader by the end of the season. He's ready to surpass Harold Carmichael, who's in the Hall of Fame. I think Zach needs 65 more catches to get that done. Uh, he should have that by the end of October, I would guess, you know, or maybe before Thanksgiving. Um, to me, it would be a mistake. They have to find a way to get it done. Um, but what changed, obviously, was the pandemic. I mean, that really changed the whole ball of wax for Howie. You know, he threw out all that money to Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson last year. And, you know, if he knew a pandemic was coming a few months later, I think if he would have had it to do all over again, he wouldn't have handed out the big money to those two players. Um, but he didn't know. Nobody knew the pandemic was coming, and, and that changes things. The salary cap is going to change, and that's the reality of the situation. And this may uh, force the Eagles to let go of Ertz, which would really be unfortunate. Um, but to me, I'm in the Zach Ertz camp. I think he needs to definitely be resigned. let him finish his Hall of Fame career in Philadelphia. But if you're Zach, too, you have to look at that reality of the situation and say to yourself, you know what, do I really want to stay in Philadelphia? Am I willing to do it and take – you know, what might be a few million dollars less and maybe as things improve uh, going forward with the salary cap after this pandemic, um, maybe he'll get more money. I mean, that's kind of how it has to be kind of a two-way street, in my opinion. If he's going to stay, he has to have a little bit of flexibility as well. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air.
Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Doesn't sound like it's becoming that two-way street, though. It sounds like the Eagles want it to be that way. Doesn't mm-hmm. sound like Zach wants it to be that way. I, I'm in the camp that I, and I don't blame them. Honestly, I really don't blame them because you're talking to the vocal point of the Eagles offense, not Carson Wentz. You're talking to the focal point of the Eagles offense, Zach Ertz, the last couple of years. I mean, Doug Pearson tenure, basically, the Doug Pearson tenure. He's QB proof, bro. He's he's dominated, yeah. he's dominated with, with – with, I mean, he was successful with Bradford. Bradford Paul, Sanchez. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah, I'm with you. I, he deserves to get paid. Uh, tough he situation. Will. He'll get paid. He'll get paid. I think they're gonna have no choice. I, I think at this point next year, they're, when they're looking, when they're looking at the tough decisions to make, I wonder what you guys would do because I'm just gonna put this hypothetical out there. If if Howie comes to you and says the Brandon Graham money could be used towards Zach Ertz, are you willing to say goodbye to BG? I mean, you got to have the answers right. I mean, how does Josh Sweat look? How does Barnett look? Is he All right, a- it's a hypothetical, man. But, it's a hypothetical. I mean, well, no, I mean, I, I just I'm very contextual. I don't like. I don't like hypotheticals like that. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if Brandon Graham for maybe one more productive season or two more productive seasons, absolutely. I'm sorry. Love the guy, but I'm going to the more uh, the more important piece in the next four or five years. Yeah, and Deshaun Jackson's contract's up. Alshon's contract, you know, they'll, they'll part ways, I'm sure, with him and Deshaun. Um, I mean, there's ways to free up money, but, you know, when you free up money, you're, you got to have answers. Like Tyler said, you have to know what's behind them and are they ready to step up and, and fill the void? Because I'm not sure Dallas Goddard could be Zach Ertz, though. I'm not sure he can be the high volume, the high volume guy that Zach Ertz has proven to be. So that's why I would be worried if, because that, that same question could be said for the tight end. Are you sure that the guy behind him could step up? Everybody is. Everybody is sold on Dallas Goddard. It seems majority opinion because the majority opinion seems to be Earth is old. Let's we don't need to pay him. Let's just roll with Goddard. And I'm like, it's not that easy. Like Tyler said, it's 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 way. People look at the tight end position and think that's such a. It's, they don't really think of Earth's how they should think of him. Trading honestly. away superstars has literally never been a good idea for. Plus, I mean, how he sits here and preaches about we want to invest in the players that are homegrown talent. And yet you have a Hall of Fame homegrown player, and you don't want to invest well, in him. Well, again, the pandemic. The pandemic moves those rules. I mean, that, I know. that's it really is, yeah. the big factor here is this salary cap is coming down. And the Eagles were already over the salary cap, thinking that it would increase like it has since it's been in existence, really. Uh, and that's not going to be the case. So that changes things. That forces you to change your philosophy. And uh, it's just unfortunate that it could come down to, you know, having to let go of Zach Ertz but um look they still have him under contract for two more years they could use the franchise tag on him they don't really do that but uh you know all this gloom and doom I mean you still have Zach tied down for two more seasons if you were to go that route and then go with the franchise tag and then it maybe two years down the road the the salary cap picture is looking brighter they have a little bit more money to spend they've dealt with some of these bloated contracts over the next two years and then they get a deal done with Zach but I you know, I think they should sign him sooner rather than later. But again, the reality is, how can they do it? Yep, I agree with you there. Uh, another thing I just wanted to get on is, since you mentioned it right now, I can't believe this Alshon stuff. 
he might really play soon. Like he might really be out there. And, did, uh, did I hear correctly that how we said that they expect him by no, week seven? They think he'll be ready sooner than week seven. That's why they kept him on their fifty-three man roster because they have this thing called the short-term IR now, where a player only has to miss three weeks before he can be activated. Uh, but in order to apply that three-week IR uh, status, is you have to be on the active roster on cutdown day. Um, so that's why they kept him because I think they'll put him on the three week IR because they believe he's going to be ready before week seven. Um, but probably not for the first three weeks. So we could see Zach week four. I think we talked earlier and that's the 49ers game out in San Francisco, I think week four. Um, so we could see Alshon, you know, at that point, um, listen, they're paying him a lot of money, right? I mean, you may as well try to get something out of him while you're paying him this kind of money. Uh, feels healthy. He's lost a few pounds. He he feels ready to go. He feels like he has to prove something at the age of 30. So, you know, uh, the Eagles are going to let him try to do that. I've went in, obviously I repeat myself on here is as far as Alshon, my expectations, I never expected him to, to have a role, but I mean, the closer it is, I'm starting to get on the idea of the approve it season because he knows you know everybody knows when you're talking about the, the Eagles salary cap one of the first names you mentioned in 2021 being cut is Alshon Jeffrey so him and his agent I, I mean unless they're not doing their job they know they're going to be on the street next year so this is absolutely a year where he's going to have approve it season which is awesome that that means that, that that's what you want from a player like this I mean he's there we could get a a, a decent season from Alshon Jeffrey and I, I guess I just never Never really expected it, but I mean, if if he's in the shape that everybody's making it seem to be, and and he's in a quote unquote contract year, technically, it may not be a bad season. I don't expect it at all. I I don't. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I, whatever he gives you at this point is is a added bonus because I don't think. First of all, I think he's going to look like he lost a huge step with that Liz Frank injury. I think he's rushing it way too soon. It's usually an out for a season injury, and he's returning way sooner than that. Uh, Number two, he's on the wrong side of thirty with that Liz Frank injury. They, I think, uh, Ed went on the pro. I forget where he works for. He works for like some fantasy points, but he uh, he does the injury doc on Twitter. Uh, he he said he has a thirty one. Alshon has a thirty one percent chance to return to a productive player from this injury at this point in his career, and I I fully believe that to be true. Not only that, it's not even just a Liz Frank injury. This guy is a walking injury. He's always hurt. He's been since Chicago, so I fully expect if he does get rushed back from injury to get hurt again. And I don't think the Eagles are worried about it. I think Ed's right. I think, you know, we are paying you all this money. We might as well – we have so much unknown at wide receiver, so much uncertainty. We might as well throw you out there and see what we can get from you. And if we can't get anything, put your back on IR, and we'll, look, we'll let the other young guys take those advantage of your opportunities that you're missing. That's it at this point. Uh, if it wasn't for the contract, Alshon Jeffrey is not a Philadelphia Eagle. Period. So I have I have no – expectations for him whatsoever i don't expect a huge season if he gives you more than 300 receiving yards that's a, such an added bonus i don't know if 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 whatever i said i don't think that alshon jeffrey is going to have a huge season i just want to clarify <laughs> no, I, no i i hear you you're talking about you're talking about the outlook I, yeah, I mean I, I mean i don't think it's as bad as as i originally thought i mean if you have four guys ahead of him and and if you're hit with an injury or Alshon go, or excuse me Deshaun goes down or I mean it's not a a bad thing to have Alshon as as wide receiver four or five. Um, obviously, you don't want to be paying him eighteen million dollars a year, but you know bite the bullet and 
See what you can yeah, get. I, I think guess. he's going to have a role. I mean, I really do. I think when he's ready to go, they'll work him in probably slowly, and they'll see how uh, JJ's progressing. I know Connor, you're not sold on JJ after a couple red zone touchdowns in training camp, um, but you know, to me, he he, he looks pretty good, and mm-hmm. um, he, you know, he could be one of those guys that just doesn't perform well in front of fans or when the lights are on and the cameras are going and they're, the the game's being broadcast to you know millions of people. You know, he could be one of those guys that doesn't show up, but he played at Stanford. Um, I, you know, I would think that he understands what it takes when the lights go on. But if he doesn't, you know, you still have Alshon there. You, and, you, you know, you look at these other three drafted wide receivers. Where's Jalen Rager? Is he ready to return right around the same time Alshon is? And um, we saw last year when all these guys got hurt, how you needed guys to step in like Deontay Burnett and Josh Perkins and, um, Greg Ward obviously stepped in and did a great job. So to me, the more the merrier. If you if you have a healthy Alshon and he's giving you a little bit of something, then then that's a good thing. I don't think he's going to have a big year either. Maybe 300 yards is a little optimistic for him, but uh, you know he's just another red zone target for uh, for Carson Wentz if he's healthy. Uh, he can score touchdowns for you. And Ed, I just, he did swag I, up. I, he did I swag up though. about JJ. As far because I mean I'm when I read reports I'm always weary when I read reports just because I question the eyes of, of some people. But when you're there in obviously he's having success in red zone. I mean how is he though? Like is he creating separation or is it more just like he's just big bodying guys like he was at Stanford where he's literally boxing them I out? I think like he's learning how forward. to create separation. I don't know if he's you know fully there yet. I think he's learning how to do that and he understands he needs to do that. He even said said so himself that he he probably had 10 touchdowns at Stanford where he just kind of bodied up against somebody and went up and got it. And he can't do that in the NFL. Um, so he's kind of still evolving. Uh, but I think he's taken some steps in the right direction. I don't think he's a finished product. I'm not sure he ever will be. I mean, we have to wait and see on that. But, uh, but I, I think he's taken some positive steps in the right direction. And he understands he does need to create separation. So he's worked on his route running. Uh, he has been able to get open. Uh, other than just in the red zone, I've seen him make some catches across the middle. Um, you know, so we'll see once the lights go on with J. Jaw. Hopefully, uh, he does get it. He continues to evolve and he continues to develop. But he's he's not a finished product, not not by any means. But I think he'll give you more uh, than what he did last year. You know, I was talking to one of my colleagues about it, and I kind of set the over under at forty five catches for him. And uh, you know, my colleague's like, I'm taking the under. Yeah, and you guys probably would take the under too, but I it wouldn't surprise me if he pushes to that threshold of forty five catches. Only because of of, of him probably yeah. not starting. I think if he was like, well, because I mean Nelson had like thirty nine yeah. last year, I think, or something like that, and so it's like mm. if he was starting, I think JJ could definitely have forty five. I just there's going to be there. I don't oh. know. I don't, I'm curious on how they're going to rotate him in. I was gonna. I was gonna say it's safe to assume week one versus Washington. Your X is Jay Jaw. Your Y is Greg Ward, and your Z is Deshaun right. Jackson. I would assume week one is your Y. That's your wide receiver core. So if JJ Arcega Whiteside takes these, if if yeah, if I mean if Arcega Whiteside takes these, if he has to think about it, these first four games are his opportunity to say, hey, Alshon might be back, but you guys don't need him. You guys can keep rolling with me. He has this opportunity to, to uh, really showcase himself. These first four games are incredibly important for J.J. Arcega-Whiteside in, in terms of seeing the field and getting the over-under on those catches for the season. 
Uh, and all it took was getting an arm sleeve on him. <laughs> That's it. He did swag up. He did swag up real quick. He went from having his mom hold an umbrella over him real quick to uh, tattoo sleeves and visors and a new helmet. And he looks like he's ready to go. What a- and again, I think speaking to what Ed said earlier, I do think if anybody gets a benefit from not having fans in the in the crowds this year, it's JJ. Yeah, he could. I mean, how is how is uh, how is Hightower winning in, in camp? Is he is he no, just a burner? You know, I, I've seen him in one on one drills beat Darius Slay in press coverage. I loved his release coming out. He, he's got he, a very he good like release. He's a pretty at the line polished of route runner. I mean, I I think he's got a really good skill set um, that will play well uh, early with the Eagles. But you know, when we talk about Jay Jaw and High Towers opportunities, there's they still play the twelve uh, personnel with the two tight ends. So you know, how many balls are going to be available for? Uh, you know, Jay Jaw and Hightower to catch when you have Ertz and Goddard and you still have Miles Sanders out of the backfield and um, Deshaun Jackson, uh, you know, they're going to send him deep a few times a game. So uh, that's the thing is how all, how many opportunities are they going to get to catch the ball? Um, but when they do get them, they better catch them or they're not going to have opportunity for long. Um, but I like Hightower. I really do. I think he's a guy that uh, I don't want to say he's going to be better than Rager. Uh, but I think he's a guy that's going to have a career in this league just based on what I saw in 12 training camp practices. I uh, saw a little bit of tape when he was at Boise oh State. Looked good. Um, but I but I do like John Hightower a lot. I was super high on John. I was super high on John Hightower coming out. I thought I said in any other draft, yeah. he'd be a third round pick. He's a victim of the depth of this wide receiver draft class. But he reminds me of John Brown. He like reminds me exactly of John Brown. I I think he's I think he can carve out a role well, in Philadelphia for sure long term. He talked uh, about being, you know, he grew up in Maryland and he talked about how he idolized Stefan Diggs. Uh, you know, so he really has tried to pattern himself after Stefan Diggs and pretty pretty darn good. Oh, that role would be model amazing. There. <laughs> that yeah. is a great role model. So I just wanted to end the show because I know Tyler's got to speed it up a little bit for to for his schedule. Uh I just wanted to end it real quick because I'm incomplete like the, we can worry about offensive line like we do i'm a little bit worried about safety now because i think the will parks injury is a little going a little unnoticed when it's, it's a pretty significant injury uh when you consider the fact that he really has the most experience replacing malcolm jenkins position and he even learned verbatim the system for malcolm jenkins the last two years training with him uh, uh his injury creates a big hole at safety uh, and again with this eagles training staff with how they handle injuries we're not really not sure how long he's going to be out for. We haven't really got a, a definitive answer. Ed, how do you, how do you think the Eagles handle this? Because uh, again, Jalen Mills newly transitioning to position. Kevin Wallace is a rookie. Where you had Jim Schwartz come out and basically say safety is one of the hardest uh, positions to transition to when you're a rookie. And Rudy Ford's really a special teams guy. How do you really how, how do the Eagles really mask the loss? Yeah, of, I mean Schwartz Parks likes to play three years. safeties. You know, uh, Corey Graham was in that role when they won the Super Bowl and. Um, Parks was going to be that third safety. He was playing all over the place, you know, kind of like you said, like Jenkins was. And uh, I think he's a candidate like Jeffrey for the short-term IR. I think, you know, he made the 53-man roster, obviously, so they didn't put him on that seven- or six-week IR uh, situation. So, But I think he's, uh, you know, he's got the hamstring. I think he'll probably miss maybe a month. So you hope that the short-term IR, he's able to come off of that before we hit October. Um, but to mask what he did for this team in the camps, you know, the practices that they had, 
it's going to be tough. There's no question. I mean, who is going to be the third safety? Are they going to turn it over to Kayvon Wallace, a rookie who I like? I think he's good. Um, is he ready for that much on his plate? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure Schwartz knows. Um, but you have Jalen Mills. I think Jalen Mills now probably takes on more of an increased role um, with Parks down. Uh, and I think Mills has adapted well to playing safety uh, by all indications is he's asking a lot of questions of linebackers, what they do in certain situations. So I think it's going to be Jalen Mills who's going to have more on his plate as it should be. I mean, this is his what fifth year in the league now. Um, he's familiar with He's all yeah, so deal. I think it's going to be Mills deal. that's going to have more on his plate to do uh, and maybe work Wallace into the mix as a third safety, but kind of confine his role to just what he knows as a rookie first time in this defense. So I think it's going to be Mills that's going to step in for I've, Marks. I've seen this defense be successful with Sendejo <laughs> playing safety. So I'm, I'm really not too worried about like, yeah, it's unfortunate for Will Forks or <laughs> Will Forks, Will Parks, but I mean, the position we had Malcolm Jenkins then though. So it's a little different now. The real injury and we've talked about it is McLeod, man, as long as he's safety or healthy and he's the single highest is I think the other guys can kind of be rotated. I I, Jalen Mills is probably going to pave himself as the other strong safety. Um, But in those two health, eh, those two's health is probably the most important. I am curious to see what Kevon Wallace can do and shape out. Has he gotten any, um, first team reps, or has he kind of just been the third, no, third team? He's, he's rotated team. in. I mean, you know, that's kind of what they do at camp yeah. is they give guys opportunities, first team, second team. You know, they give different looks, get different looks for tape purposes. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that um, uh, Kayvon Wallace has gotten first team reps. He has. But again, a rookie, do you want to heap that much on his plate? I don't know what his mental acuity is. I don't know yeah. what he did at Clemson. Um, but He's a guy that I think probably elevates to the third safety spot, or even Marcus Epps if they're not uh, as comfortable with with Kayvon in that role. I I just I was really high on Will Parch. I think he could replace Malcolm Jenkins. I think he could potentially become the Malcolm Jenkins replacer for this team in a cost efficient uh, rate at that. But well, that will pretty much do it for us. Ed, thanks for joining the show again. We're going to be start doing pregame shows. We'll have Ed on for some of those. Todd and I are going to start doing them now since the yeah. games are starting up here soon. We'll get those pregame shows out and rolled out to you. Ed, as always, you can find all his work on Sports Illustrated, the SI Eagles Mavin page. Go check it out. Go to uh, uh, Ed. What's your it's, uh, Twitter you can name again? Find I my links it. at si.com slash NFL slash Eagles or just follow me on Twitter at Kratz, E-K-R-A-C-Z-E. Uh, seven days. Seven days, guys. That's it, man. Four, if you count seven days, seven days, and maybe we'll maybe we'll have a host who knows how to properly plug people's Twitter ah, name cool, next man. next week. No, I always on, forget bro. people's Twitter's names. I always forget the Twitter Come handles. On, Come bro. on, man. no worries, man. Come on, man. I appreciate Jeez. it. The season starts, bro. We need you in mid-season <laughs> form. He didn't have any off season, man. He didn't have the like benefit of an off season. Got to cut him some slack. Yeah, come on, man. Come on, man. Hey, parents. Did you know your kids' money habits start as early as the second grade? Help them build money skills for the real world with GoHenry, the debit card and financial learning app for kids 6 to 18. Use it to check off chores, set savings goals, automate allowance, and more. 
Families love it. 92% of parents said their kids were more money confident after using the app. Get started at GoHenry.com. Promo code SMART. At Freedom Mortgage, freedom means helping veterans achieve their home financing goals. Whatever freedom means to you, Freedom Mortgage has custom loan options to meet your needs, making home financing a custom fit. That's freedom. Visit FreedomMortgage.com forward slash VA to learn more. Freedom Mortgage Corporation, MLS number 2767, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org, 951 Yamato Road, Boca Raton, Florida, 33431, 800-220-3333. Licensed in all 50 states. For complete licensing information, visit www.freedommortgage.com forward slash state-licensing. Equal housing opportunity. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.